listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen was shaking. You know, uh, look, I feel like I need to disclose to our listeners that we're recording this episode reasonably early in the morning for me. I mean, <laughs> I, I it's not early for a lot of people, I realize, it's but it's it's early for me. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, um, there is minimal shaking at this juncture. Uh, but I look forward <laughs> to shaking later in the day in you, some yes, way, shape, or form. There should yeah. be more shaking later. Well, my... Yeah. Uh, my daughters own a cake business, and we're up at 5 a.m. starting today's orders to get them done before school. So um, I've been up for four hours. Uh, yeah. Well, see, now, if I was up at 5 and there was cake around, I, I would be shaking because <laughs> I can't not eat it. No, so it's, these are for sale. You can't eat them. Yeah. <laughs> see, this is a problem. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, looking forward to, today, to today's show. I are we going to have... promote cakes? Well, we should, yeah. Mia Mo Cakes on Instagram. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Or if for for all of our listeners, uh, you get to pay a two hundred percent premium uh, for the cakes. Uh, just as a just. It's an of, incentive. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think my daughter should make more money. Yeah. 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 yeah I think so. So. <laughs> Keeping the entrepreneurship genes in the family. Indeed. Um, I'm looking forward to today's show though, because our my daughters do not actually have an ERP. For managing <laughs> exactly they don't yeah. even really have a website you know yet. they're they're a burgeoning uh food uh brand manufacturing uh, brand exactly yeah. so they're going to require an erp in the future and when they do uh, today's guest can help them out i think absolutely so joining us today is sam gupta sam is the principal consultant consultant at elevate iq welcome to the coolering sam thank you so much for having me guys i'm super excited to talk to your fun listeners well, Sam, uh, yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And first off, tell us a little bit about Elevate IQ and what it is y'all do there. And uh, and let's go from there. Yeah. Well, before I do that, I would like to touch a little bit on your comment about getting up early. So in my case, it was 8 o'clock because you guys are one hour ahead. And That's I was true. feeling really bad, to be honest. But then I heard Jeff talking about being up for four hours. <laughs> So this just all goes to reinforce just how lazy I am early in the morning. <laughs> we weren't trying to put it there, but that's where it's ended up. Uh, it's a reality. <laughs> and one more comment, I guess. I mean, since your daughter does not have ERP, she is going to be super overworked. She is going to be up for the whole night, and there are going to be a lot of conflicts. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Now, coming back to my journey. So I have had slightly non-traditional path when it comes to the journey of an ERP consultant. So for living, yes, I, uh, I, I do ERP consulting. But when I started my career, I was a programmer. So I wrote the programs for living for, for a long time. And uh, in the ERP world, they don't really think that you come from the, most of the ERP consultant, they don't really start uh, as the programming background. They typically start as the, as the business background. But in my case, I had I had different journey. So I started doing a lot of programming. I I, uh, I was um, consulting for banks. I consulted for um, you know technology companies, and then moved to the the real ERP financial consulting space just because I was equally good at uh, technology as well as uh, business. 
So I did that uh, for what, roughly 10, 12 years. And after that, uh, we started doing a little bit of um, independent consulting and these startups. So we, I actually wanted to go after every shiny industry out there and uh, every shiny ideas that I could possibly think. Okay, I, I was doing that. So uh, we explored uh, startups in the medical device space. Uh, we explored startups in the funding space and real estate. Uh, in co-hopping, co-working, oh my goodness, you name it. So what that gave me is, number one, a lot of failures, okay? <laughs> and those failures <laughs> gave me a lot of learning. And also the cross-functional perspective. Cross-functional perspective meaning, you know, I when I was doing enterprise consulting, I had no idea how to sell in the SMB market. I had no idea how sales and marketing people think. Even though we did a little bit of sales and marketing in the enterprise world, but in the enterprise world, the sales and marketing is going to be fairly, fairly different. So when I was going through my journey of going through these startups, uh, you know, I have to, I had to work with a lot of different people who was like 10 years younger than me. And they, I, I, I was super proud of that, right, experience, because they taught me some of the things that I did not have. So I had to acquire a lot of sales and marketing skills. And when we started the journey for Elevate IQ and what we are trying to do as part of Elevate IQ is we are slightly non-traditional agency. We are trying to productize our service offerings because I always wanted to create the products. But then, uh, you know, when we tried to pitch to investors, it would take a lot of time to get their attention and then you know we would not get investment so what we wanted to do is we wanted to create the revenue channel first before we can productize so that's the focus of elevate iq and then we have a media channel as well which is called wbs rocks which is more from the sales and marketing perspective uh, and the whole idea of wbs rocks is we are more of the uh, you know professional podcaster is how i would like to define uh, professional community developer as well. Um, so I'm LinkedIn influencer. I do a lot of work on LinkedIn. Um, so if uh, anybody is looking to develop their own white labeled communities that we can do using WBS Rocks as well. So those are two uh, startups that we have, uh, Elevate IQ and WBS Rocks. That's about my journey. You're a busy guy. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. <laughs> we all need to be busy. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, look, and I think it's this interesting uh, journey that has really led us to the point where uh, you bring a, a fairly unique perspective to the um, to the idea of, of of who should be involved in an ERP rollout, uh, um, uh, maybe who should control some elements of it, and uh, you know, frankly, I, I just think a lot of manufacturing marketers find themselves. Um, Kind at the on, mercy. Yeah, a bit on the outside looking yeah. in when it comes to an ERP rollout. Um, and uh, well, I guess yeah, that's not your point of view. Uh, you think they should be a little closer to it. Talk to us about the role that you see marketing playing in an ERP initiative and kind of what they're bringing to it that others might miss. So let's talk about some of the trigger points why manufacturers typically go for an ERP. And most cases, it is going to be seen as either the finance or operations initiative, uh, or it could be an IT initiative, which is also uh, slightly rare. For the most part, CFO or COO is actually going to lead the, the initiative. Uh, in most cases, the problems that they are going to face 
in the business are going to be either they have a lot of waste problem or they are acquiring a new contract that their existing ERP cannot support or uh, you know people are complaining about their ERP that it's not working and their life is not as easy or maybe they have a lot of uh, admin work that that they are not able to keep up and they feel that the ERP should be updated so if you look at comprehensively about these triggers then it is really the operational uh, initiative. What you are trying to do is you are trying to um, reduce your admin overhead. And that falls in the in the bucket of your CFO or COO. But since I have had a lot of experience working with the sales and marketers, uh, and obviously, you know, I studied marketing um, in, in my school as well. And one of the things that really caught my attention when I, I was doing consulting in the ERP world versus what they teach in the school uh, is going to be number one, pricing, and number two, customer experience. When we look at the, the pricing, typically pricing is is should be driven by, by marketers. But when you look at the ERP, typically it's driven by the finance people. And the reason for that is because in most cases, in especially in the SMB market, it's very rare to find a system or a team that has complete access to the finance data and sometimes that could be because of fear just because uh, you know uh, the small to medium-sized businesses they don't feel comfortable giving access to financial data to let's say their sales and marketing people and then they might feel that uh, you know um, it, it could be uh, it could be slightly frightening experience overall just because of the internal communication also with respect to access of the data right so so majority of the departments are going to be slightly more isolated with respect to access to the data that they have uh, and with respect to their roles and responsibilities as well so now uh, some of the organizations obviously the, the the organizations that are going to be slightly more forward thinking they are going to have all of these departments integrated they are going to give uh, the, the access to the data as much as they can and when you provide and uh, access to the data to let's say your marketing team then they can what they can do is they can they can really act on that data they can combine that data with the with the industry data as well with the market data because in my mind when i look at the pricing initiatives when i look at the the any of the initiative that you are doing from the product perspective then what you need to do is you need to have 30 percent of your internal data 70 percent of your external data to be able to decide what initiatives you are going to have for your marketing what initiatives you are going to have for your product what initiatives you are going to have for your your packaging sam i think i just want to just highlight that a bit because i think um you know, it's an easy and uh, in some ways very quick thing to say, but I think there's uh, a lot of insight in that. This notion of, you know, 30% of the data you ought to be analyzing is yours, and then 70% is market data. And mm. I bet if um, most marketers look themselves in the mirror and said, is that the balance that I'm <laughs> like, is that? Is it, there even any outside data? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Am I investing in that at all? Uh, am I investing in cor correlating that with internal data and trying to find patterns, et cetera? Like, now, yes, large, large global manufacturers would 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 be uh, would have that discipline. But you don't need to go, you know, much further down into the mid-size manufacturing yeah. category before that's gone away. And 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 
Uh, I just think it's a it's a really important thing to highlight. I think there's a great learning in that, Sam. Yeah. Also, one more point I would like to highlight, even at the bigger companies, even if they might have access to the data, it is going to be in the form of static reports. Okay, so they don't really have the live connections to, to the ERP. The data is not really embedded as part of your transactions. So you don't really have, you cannot really get the kind of interaction that your financial people are going to have. You cannot really drill into your transactions. You cannot really analyze what is happening in the market. What is happening with your product? What is happening with your customer? Why they are dropping? Why they are returning? So that, that's a compelling insight that marketers don't have. Typically, even in the bigger organization, what they are going to have is they are going to have things like Tableau or uh, things like you know some sort of bi platform where they are simply going to get uh, let's say overnight data or something like that you know uh, overnight feed that is actually going to go to your, your tableau and uh, the data is going to be let's say one day old in some industries that may not be a problem uh, but if you have the live connection where you can really analyze what is happening in your market what is happening with each of the transaction how we can personalize this experience and if you really want to personalize the experience you need to be live with your data, with your system. Well, and I have to imagine, too, having access to that kind of data as a marketer and in conjunction with the sales team as well is going to be able or going to enable you to... Uh, you know, sell better across the organizations that you're that you're selling into to better understand what their needs are, how they're ordering things, how you can optimize that experience for them, you know, um, see opportunities for cross selling all of that. And I mean, that is just, you know, especially in this in this COVID era, where, you know, so many manufacturers, especially in that mid market and larger scale, are trying to optimize the sales that they have with existing customers and maintain and expand those relationships knowing how your financial data and the and the market data is playing out is going to give you the you know the knowledge to be able to truly improve the CX experience for those customers exactly and in fact let me see if you look from more from the cross functional perspective yes we are talking about marketers having access to financial data but it goes the other way as well in my opinion uh, everybody should be marketer in the company everybody should be uh, you know financial people in the company everybody should be sales people in the company <laughs> in my books if i were to design the ideal company i would probably provide accountability to every person in in the team it should the bringing the customer should not only be the the responsibility of the salespeople. It should be everybody who should be, uh, you know, social media marketer because end of the day, it is your brand. Uh, your company survives because, uh, you know, you have really good brand and customers are coming to you. And also, uh, in my mind, when I think about the bringing the customer, uh, satisfying your customer also from the customer experience, even if you, let's say, get the sales order, right? Even if you close the customer, your responsibility does not end there you have to also think what happens after that. Let's say if you are not able to fulfill the promise of your sales order, whatever your sales and marketing team is going to commit to your customer, what is going to happen? I mean, customer is going to return, okay? They are going to complain. And nowadays, I mean, obviously social media is very powerful. If the experience is not going to be aligned to what they were expecting, they are going to, gonna, uh, they are going to go to social media and they might talk about your brand in the negative light. That is something that you don't want. So uh, it might be that you uh, only one customer that you are talking to right now, he might not be pleased with your offering, but it's the, it could be one to end scenario where if he talks and if, let's say, if he's the influencer in his industry or her industry, uh, it, it could be pretty bad because now 
they are going to have influence on a lot of people who are going to come to you and buy and they are going to talk about this experience and this is especially relevant in the expensive purchases uh, because in the expensive purchases influencers are are very influential obviously in the sale, um, you know b2b uh, marketplace so if influencers hear that you know this company is not doing as well then obviously they will not feel comfortable in recommending that company or talking about that company publicly are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's bit.ly slash sample ABM. I, I like the idea of you know, kind of getting thinking about marketers versus um, operations, personnel, finance, etc., and how they would think about an ERP implementation. I mean, so much about an ERP implementation is about efficiency gain. And, and eliminating waste. I've been playing with this notion that kind of waste isn't the opposite of efficiency necessarily, right? Like you know, marketers would be looking at it through the lens of what are the opportunities that this gives me to deliver a better customer experience? And that may not be eliminating waste at all. No. That may that may actually add expense in some way, shape, or form, but it also adds value to the customer that can be um, monetized. I think it was Rory Sutherland, the British ad guy, that talks about the the hotel doorman fallacy. Like you can kind of get rid of the doorman. Sure, like it's easy when you think about it. There's like, automatic doors now and things like that. So from an efficiency perspective, there's lots of reasons. But then when you think about all the things that the doorman or woman, uh, door person, I guess these days uh, does in front of a, uh, a hotel, um, some of those things can't be replicated. By. Nor can they be quantified. Right, yeah. right. And it's so, in some, it, you know, in some ways, that, that you know, in a, in a very nice hotel, that doorman might be the experience that brings you back. Yeah. <laughs> in a pursuit of efficiency, you know, and I just see these odd parallels between that story and this notion of, how a marketer thinks about ERP versus finance versus operations yeah. and, 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 and therefore why they should be involved. In yeah. This yeah. This notion of um, if an ERP is at least in part about improving CX, then uh, it needs to have yeah. a marketing lens, doesn't it? Yeah. In fact, that's a very interesting point. And I have, uh, you know, two stories that I would like to share here, uh, you know, with respect to looking at the same problem from the waste perspective versus the opportunity perspective. So let's talk about waste a bit, right? So there are two ways to, to look at the waste. So number one is you can simply look at the, it as the waste and you can, you can think of this as how I can reduce this and how I can, let's say, increase my bottom line by reducing my cost. And the second could be how I can monetize that waste, okay? And that is the marketing lens in my mind. And uh, there are two possibilities here. Either if your marketing is involved in exploring these opportunities so that they can tell you how to be more opportunistic with your 
your waste problems or efficiency problems or you can teach your your finance people to be to be slightly more marketer and the only way they can do it is uh, you know if they talk to customer so again this cross-functional knowledge is very important so two stories that i i would like to mention here is number one so uh, i was working with one of the food and beverage company and they used to get this waste as part of their production line that they had no idea what to do with it so typically what they would do is they would not even account for it financially and they would donate it to somebody whoever uh, could actually take advantage of that waste they had no idea how to monetize that uh, and that was a pretty good meat because they were in the meat industry and if they created product around that then they would get roughly what so their product was selling for let's say hundred dollars okay and uh, their waste could have sold for roughly fifty dollars that was the potential of that waste so even though it was waste it was not waste for the person who would consume that waste as food <laughs> okay and they were in the, the the pet industry right so in the pet industry obviously there are going to be regulations in terms of what uh, nutrients your food is going to have you have to declare that but if you are controlling that process and if you are able to monetize and, and, and control that waste, you can create a product around that. Now, if you want to create that product, you have to be a marketer. You have to think more from the opportunity perspective as opposed to thinking more from the finance and operations perspective where you are thinking that, okay, I've got this waste. I'm probably getting maybe, you know, 100 pounds uh, per line or whatever. And, uh, you know, how can I make it eight or how can I make it six? That's going to be my finance and operations perspective. But what is going to be my marketer's perspective? That is going to be, okay, I've got this 10 pound. Okay, what can I do? How can I create a product around it? How can I sell it to the new customers? So now that is marketing perspective that they cannot do unless they have access to data. They need tons and tons of real-time information to be able to act on this and make business decisions. The second story that I'm going to be telling you is going to be related to packaging. Okay, so I, uh, as you know, I'm a podcaster myself and I talk to super, super bright people and I was talking to one of the packaging guys and he was talking about how powerful your packaging could be. Just by changing the packaging, you can create new product lines. Then he spoke about why these packaging innovations are not uh, typically, they don't go well in the market. And he mentioned that um, what what happens with the packaging innovation when you take this idea from your from your concept to the final phase of the product, what happens is marketing comes up with the idea. They are going to say that this is what I need. This this is the kind of you know packaging I need. Uh, your procurement is going to talk to your packaging supplier, and then finally operations is going to try this idea. And there could be a possibility that the uh, you know the packaging is not standing out on the line, or maybe customers are not liking the packaging. It's 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 not really working. But marketers typically are involved until that step when uh, you know they are simply proposing the idea they have no clue what happened to be able to iterate and in my mind iteration is should be the part of uh, you know marketing exercise when you are creating the product so you don't really have the agility and by the way this is not just for the marketing this is also for the engineering because they are the ones who have actually created the design now if they don't get the the real-time data back because obviously your operations and finance people are going to tell them okay this is what happened but there's a little bit of translation involved Okay, just because the, these guys don't really have the engineering or marketing background, so the you might lose a lot of information in translation. 
So if you if marketers had access to data, then you can create these products just by changing the packaging, just by doing the packaging innovation. And now you can imagine how powerful that is going to be. You are exploring new markets. You are exploring new products. And again, I mean, see, I'm not even talking about CX here. CX is going to be completely different because uh, if you have access to the complete data, marketers are involved in every touch point in some shape or form. I'm not saying that marketing should take over finance, but at least they should be involved. They should have access to the information. They should have access to the real-time insight so that the translation is not involved in the process. So I find these two stories really, really powerful uh, from the perspective of marketer, how we can look from the perspective of opportunity as opposed to from the cost reduction. I do think if we were to advocate marketing being in control of finance, it would be a charming way to solve that lower <laughs> marketing budget problem. That a lot of people <laughs> just going to slide a little more money over exactly to marketing right. now. But I, you know, I, I, not, not to bounce around too much, but I, I think, you know, where this, Sam, where this really comes to life, of course, you know, where marketers may actually have seen their ability to influence ERP or at least have access to it so that they can understand it is when ERPs get integrated with e-commerce. And, and of course, this is a huge initiative amongst manufacturers, um, distributors as well, you know, who are getting into um, moving more of their business online. C can you talk a bit about what marketers should look for in terms of uh, ERPs and, and integration as it applies to pairing that with uh, modern e-commerce platforms? So I'm going to respond back with a story of an e-commerce company, and I'm going to be talking about the system landscape a bit and the problems that they have faced. And I think uh, your audience will be able to relate this with a bit more. So basically, the company that I'm talking about, they were the manufacturer. They were trying to go to DTC or D2C, however you want to put it. Um, it is the direct-to-consumer, right? So they had the e-commerce platform. They had some of the distributors as well, uh, but they were trying to go to D2C. So they had implemented a new commerce uh, platform, but in the back end, they just had QuickBooks and they, they were using some of the, the add-ons for the QuickBooks. The problems that they were facing uh, is number one, they did not have access to the loyalty data of the customer because ERP systems does not, ERP systems typically don't carry the, the loyalty data. So unless your e-commerce systems are going to be integrated or fully integrated with the ERP, and when I say fully integrated, the integration could be in integrating just with a field or it could be a native integration where you are exchanging every data field that the e-commerce uh, e system is going to care for or the ERP system is going to care for. And also this has to be bi-directional, it, it cannot be one-directional. So when people think of the integration, they are simply thinking of, you know, it just integration is a, is a sort of the, the cash term, right? <laughs> uh, it, it could be very light integration or it could be very, very heavy integration. So again, so the problems that this customer was facing is, number one, they did not have access to the loyalty data. Customers could not go and do the self-serve uh, serve them in the self-serve mode. So they did not have access to their, let's say, if they want to see invoices, if they want to see their account information, if they want to see what orders did I place with this uh, uh, this um, manufacturer, they did not have access to that. And obviously that was a that was a huge 
CX issue because they have to maintain this information. They would rather like to see, okay, how many orders did I place in this month with this uh, this manufacturer? What was the price that was quoted to me so that I can compare? And this is the information, this is the customer experience aspect uh, of the problem that they did not have access to. And the reason for that is because e-commerce system would not let them uh, do this. And even if uh, it was allowing them to do to do the some of the 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 data data publishing for their customers it will be incomplete story okay and and because of that what what used to happen is there some of the uh, some in some cases there used to be double dipping okay when i say double dipping sometimes the payment is going to be there in the e-commerce system but that would not reflect in the in the quickbooks sometimes they will um, they will uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> just get the product for free sometimes there will be a return and that cannot be reflected in the in the quickbooks and by the way this is just the customer facing story now let's talk about admin side of story okay from the admin perspective they had to reconcile this data in three different systems okay so <laughs> they had like you know five people in the admin department and the only thing that they did is they were reconciling this e-commerce data manual entry of orders to let's say erp then they had to port some of this data back to their e-commerce system because the e-commerce system needs to know about Texas. The e-commerce system needs to know about the, uh, you know, some of the loyalty data that they were carrying. Uh, e-commerce system needs to know about the account, the product, the pricing. Uh, there are a lot of things, right, that the e-commerce system needs to know. So in most cases, to answer your question, the e-commerce to ERP integration is very light. In fact, e-commerce system is never thought of as, as, as a complete uh, ERP portfolio. ERP systems are not supposed to do the e-commerce. And even if customers think that, you know what, I'm an e-commerce shop and I would like e-commerce e capability as part of my platform when I'm acquiring ERP, but ERP systems were not designed to be e-commerce system. E-commerce system is a completely different system. ERP system is a completely different system. So when we are looking at the, the, the enterprise architecture of a company, we need to look at, okay, what are the things that e-commerce system does so really, really well? What are the things ERP system does really well? What are the things my product information system does really, really well? And how can we draw these lines in terms of having that necessary integration? And when I define the necessity of the data, it's going. It's not only going to be in terms of the operations, it's also going to be from the decision making. Because when you make these decisions, you are going to require far more information than just your operational aspect of the problem. So to answer your question, uh, do we see if the e-commerce systems are integrated with the ERP? It's very rare, okay? They are very siloed, typically. Even if in the in the bigger companies, it's it's very siloed. Even if they claim that they are integrated, it's going to be just a couple of feeds, couple of data elements that may be integrated, but it's very rare to see that. So everyone out there that uh, doesn't have their ducks in a row can feel a little bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> really. Is this where we pitch synchro stack? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think uh, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you, and um, and uh, I've got to say, um, I, I started this uh, talking about how it was early in the morning for me. Not only do I feel like I've learned a lot about ERP in this conversation, but your your enthusiasm rubbed off. I feel like I'm waking up. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Finish this up and head straight to the espresso machine. Indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> So you are not going to be shaking anymore, I guess, in the afternoon hours. 
<laughs> yes, there will be more shaking now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Sam. It's been a great conversation. Of course. Thanks, guys, for having me. Really appreciate it. All the best. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>